Well, I feel like I have something today that maybe will go on a little bit of a ride, and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it, but as I mentioned last week, I've, I've felt this theme um, for us and for our house of the summer of faith, of us really, truly, people walking in faith in a profound way, maybe even a way they've never done it before. And um, one of the guys that ordained me a long time ago, a little, little Baptist man, but he was, a, he was as mystic as they come, and he used to define faith. He'd say, faith is spelled, well, he would say it like this. He'd say, faith is spelled, that's how he talked. <laughs> faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. And I'm like, you know, that, that, that was kind of his, I guess he coined that. But um, there's something interesting, even contemplating the people of God, the vision that I have, even for, for many of us and many who listen to these podcasts, uh, stepping into this life of faith, which is really just Christianity. And, and I was thinking about like the story in Luke 5 when, when Jesus first sits with Peter on his boat and, and, and they haven't caught anything all night. And, and um, he tells him, well, just let's cast in again right here. And Peter kind of begrudgingly thinks like, well, this is really, this is my area of expertise and not yours. But he obeys and he throws it in and catches so much fish that the net's breaking. You know what I mean? And how when Jesus comes back, in John 21, he does the same thing from the beach. He shouts, you guys catch any fish? And no, nah, like throw it on the right side of the boat, which is, is just utter foolishness. You know what I mean? How wide can a boat have been? 10, 15, 20 feet if it was big? I don't know. But, you know, and they caught so much that they couldn't, they couldn't haul in the, the amount of fish. And there's, there's something to that picture of doing what you do. It doesn't even have to be spiritual necessarily. Everything is spiritual for us you know we do things with excellence and the kingdom is manifest you know and so getting out of that religious grid that everything we put our hands to when we're in faith and we're, when we're living according to a different reality and listening to a different voice we can produce different outcomes that touch people and show them who God is and hey we get to eat a lot of the a lot of the fish we pull in you know what I mean we get to we get to we're blessed by the fruit of the, of the, of the deal. So it's interesting that I see these, guys, these stories of things happening, um, fishing in the same place, so to speak, with completely different results. It's just like, well, that's obviously a bad fishing spot. They're not biting. But in the very same space, and I'm wondering too, I, I, I'm, I'm imagining or I have faith or I've, I, I'm, I'm inspired to think that this is going to begin to happen to many of our lives, to many of your lives. And... Um, when we start to link up to the eternal king who's within, you know, and start to do things as unto the Lord, even in the same space or circles or spheres that we're in, it yields a, an entirely different outcome. Yeah. And it's not nearly, just merely for us, which it is a blessing, which is sonship, but it actually touches the world. And this is what walking by faith looks like. There's a couple of scriptures 2 Corinthians 13.5 says to examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know that Christ is in you? And that's so beautiful to me, 2 Corinthians 13.5. It's asking us to like, examine ourselves or even test ourselves whether we're actually in the faith or not. And then he asks, do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? In other words, like, th there's a, there's a self-assessment we can have even in our life. 
It's like, hey, test yourself. Are you walking in faith? Are you living in the faith of Christianity? Are you, are you doing what you do by faith? Is that an, an, the essence of your heart? And hey, don't, don't be ignorant of the reality that the eternal king, God himself, is on the inside of you. 2 Peter 1, I'll just read, I won't even read it. 2 Peter 1, verse 1 through 10. I don't remember what teaching it is. I've done this a few times over the years. But it says something in 2 Peter 1 that says, you've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's like everything you have, it's similar to that 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Like, don't you know Jesus is inside of you? You know, 2 Peter 1, you've been given everything pertaining to life. and You have everything you need for success to manifest heaven in this world. It goes on and it, and it lists in 2 Peter all these different fruits of the kingdom of heaven and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And, it, and, it, and, and Peter even encourages us, as a make, so now knowing these things, make your calling and your election sure. In other words, identify the fruits in the spirit and the nature of the kingdom of heaven and assess your life similar to what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians. Like, test yourself to, if you're really, make your calling in your life. It's not like, what's my calling and my purpose? It's like, to make sure that you're in this Christian faith, assess yourself. See that you're manifesting the fruits and the nature of the, of the Spirit of God in your, in your own vessel, but also manifesting the breakthroughs of the kingdom in your life. See, there's an assessment we can have in ourselves in testing ourselves, and it's not, you know, navel-gazing and spiritual psychology, something like this. It's being honest. Is like, am I living by faith? Is there any risk in my life? You know what I mean? Am I comfortable? Or do I push it? That can be any sphere, any circle of our life. That can be when we feel led. We're like, do you not know the Spirit of the Lord is in you? He wants to set people free and bless people. Do you not have that knowledge within you? The Bible asks when you see people that actually need what you have? Or is it too uncomfortable? You know, it's interesting. Am I manifesting the fruit of faith? And actually, am I walking in faith? Spelled R-I-S-K at all in my life, you know? I love, and this is my number one way to start messages, you know, if you know me, the, the Hebrews 11. You know, not just that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But by faith, it says in Hebrews 11, 3, by faith we understand that the worlds, the planets, everything we see with our eyes was made by that which is unseen. And it's like we come to this knowledge by faith that the kingdom of heaven is so much more real. The dimension of heaven has so much more substance than this plastic three-dimensional place we live in. This place was actually framed in by the word of God, something more real. And we're called to represent heaven and that reality here by ushering it, by ushering Jesus' prayer that he's given us on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, that place come here on earth as it is in heaven. This is our calling and our mandate. This is what we're about. So I have a story today. It's one of my favorite of the Old Testament, and I was leaning towards it last week before we did this. So last week, you have a little bit of a grid of where I'm going. But it's the story of somebody named Jonathan. And um, he was the, the very first king of Israel's son. Saul, the very first king of Israel, it's his son, Jonathan. And he was an incredible man. 
and he became an incredible warrior. But we're going to be in First Samuel fourteen. I might bat, I might read a couple portions of thirteen just to give us a grid of where we're going. But we're going to be in Second Samuel fourteen, and I want to examine his life. Just like what we've talked about, like that 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, which says these things happen to them as examples for us. We're literally reading the Old Testament. And it says it again also in Romans 15. We're reading these stories as examples to us who are walking in the faith. And we're going to take this story and we're going to see the prophetic implications for us in the here and now in manifesting heaven. And we're going to have a lesson from our big brother, Jonathan, who went before us a long, long, long time ago. Okay, so, um, you know, it's the story could be titled, uh, you know, Jonathan's bright idea, not so bright idea, super bright idea. I don't know, but it's it's a very funny story. But I'll tell you, the backstory is 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 Israel was a relatively um, the king. It was the very first king they'd had. And so they were constantly in. In, um, I was going to say beef. Let me try to say a better word so you can. You guys know what that means. They were constantly having beef or problems or issues with surrounding countries, especially the Philistines. And in this, they, they'd won a couple small battles of the Philistines, but the Philistines were a much greater people group than they were. But what Jonathan realized, and maybe sometimes his dad saw, but not even all the time, was that the people of Israel had a covenant with God. And so he didn't look at his enemies. He was very much like David before David. He didn't look at his, his enemies as greater than him or more powerful than them or more numerous, which they were all those things. But he looked at them as uncircumcised, which literally means they don't have a covenant. We have a covenant. We have God on our, on our side, and our God is greater than their gods. The Philistine had giants. They had Nephilim. You know, they had people that were... The descendants of what they thought were gods, you know, of, of, of the fallen watchers and stuff of Genesis 6. They, they, had, they were so mixed in with what looked like power that, in a sense, from a fallen view, it would be right to be intimidated by the circumstances that surrounded them on a constant basis. <laughs> but, they were, but Jonathan was not. And so where we find ourselves in 1 Samuel 13, there's been some battles and they've had some back and forths. And they've actually had some really good victories, you know. Israel is, is, is to the place where they're in their, uh, in their promised land, so to speak. They've, they've made it out of the wilderness. They've made it out of Egypt and out of the wilderness and in the promised land. But they're still contending for the place that is their inheritance. And so in, in 1 Samuel 13, our backstory is that the Philistines... It says that the, Isra the Israelis became a stench in the nostrils of the Philistines. That doesn't sound too pleasant, but I think we get a, what's going on there. They said, we're done with these people. It's time to wipe them out. It says, so the, the Philistines gathered together in 1 Samuel 13, verse 5. Three thousand, some say 30. It's really as 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and as people, which are as uh, numerous as the sand in the, in the seashore. So, basically, the Philistines get all of their people and their entire focus comes to wiping off the people of Israel. In verse 6, it says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, they were distressed, and the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, 
and in pits. As for Saul, he was at Gilgal, and all the people who followed him were trembling. So the people that stayed loyal to the king were all trembling and shaking. Um, but everybody else was actually packed up in, in thickets and holes and in, ca in caves and in caves. They were completely and totally hiding. They were isolated. Um, they hid in caves, and um, they were hiding from the enemy because they, they, just, they saw it as impossible. So that's, what, that's where we're at in this day, in this day and age of 1 Samuel 13 and 14. But it says something. So it came, to day, came, to, came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who with Saul or with Jonathan, but only Saul and Jonathan had a weapon. So it goes from bad to worse. This is right before 1 Samuel 14. The majority of people are hidden. They're hiding themselves in strongholds. And not only that, the only people that, are, that have swords is the king and the king's son. And they're actually separate from where they're staying at this point. And um, the Philistines were completely and totally gathered against Israel. So the odds seem pretty bad. But this is where we get the story of Jonathan's bright idea from where he was at. And... Uh, chapter 14. It says, It happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that's on the other side. He says, But he did not tell his father. So Saul was where he was. Jonathan was where he, he was. Jonathan goes to this very specific place in the region where these two large, sharp rocks were, which you'd have to go between, and it kind of describes where they are. But in, in 1 Samuel 14, 6 is where we get Jonathan's bright idea. Him and his armor bearer are completely separate from the rest of the military. From what I've read, it would be like an hour march away from where the military was camped. So there wasn't like, you know, if we get beat up, you know, our buddies have our back. Like this is, they're out on their own, separate from everyone. So Jonathan's idea was he says to the armor bearer, come on, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And it's just like, okay. So, you know, if you're, if you're Jonathan's armor bearer, pretty much no one has a weapon except for your bot, Jonathan, and you're a young guy, and you just carry his stuff around. You're his caddy, basically. And he says, hey, man, let's go on a walk. Let's go. Okay, so we go on a hike for about, I mean, for an hour. Then we get to this place to where we're like, we're actually at a place where one of the Philistine groups is actually camped to keep us from running away as they're coming to bash all of our kingdom. And um, there's these huge, it's called, they're called crags, these, these huge rocky sections, which, you know, there's a very narrow way to get up to where the Philistines are. And he's like, hey, man, let's, let's go over to where they're at and let's just see what God will do. He has this, this bright idea that seems really dumb. And, um, but the, the armor bearer happened to be just as uh, intelligent or faithful as Saul. Because he says, he says, do all that is in your heart. I am with you according to your heart and soul. 
I love when you really look at the Hebrew there. Do all that's in your heart and everything that you have to do that is in your mind. It's like here you have somebody who's a servant, who's, who's a follower. If you can even see this like us following the Lord. And the Lord can lead us into something that looks like, hey, that, no, that is not a good idea. That is not conventional way of doing this. This looks foolish. And he's like, but we have a covenant and they do not. So why don't you follow me over here? He's like, my mind is your mind. My heart is your heart. No matter what it looks like to me, if that's the, if that's the plan, let's do it. I'm with you. That's a ride or die homie is what they used to call him when I was, uh, yeah. Maybe they call him that today. I don't know. Here's another thing that's funny. Jonathan says this, very well, let us cross over to these men. Here's the idea. Can you imagine this? Let's cross over to these guys and we'll show ourselves to them. Like, what's the plan? We'll get over there in front of them and we'll show ourselves to them. Okay? <laughs> okay? If they say to us, no, 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 listen. If they say to us, wait till we come to you, then we'll stand in our place and we'll wait. Okay? But if they say, come up to us, then we'll go after them. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. <laughs> what a plan. What a plan. He's like, here's what we'll do, man. So what's the plan? What's the plan, Prince? <laughs> Prince, Prince Jonathan? I'm one heart with you. I'm one mind with you. What do you what's, the, what's the idea? We're just going to pop out in the open. And we're gonna, we're gonna, hey, whoop, 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 whoop. you know, get their attention. And it, and what if they come? What if they come to us? Yeah, if they come down to us, then we'll stay right here. It's like you mean if they come down to us, we'll run. Nah, if they come down to us, we'll we'll stay right here. We'll fight them, you know. But if they say, come on up here, then we'll know that's a sign, man. That's a sign. The Lord, this is definitely, I feel like this is the Lord, but that's a sign that it's definitely the Lord. Amen. Yeah. But like, what's the sign that we need to run? Because there's only two, that's only two ways and that's what's going to be. What if they just, they can't see us, if they just ignore us, maybe then we can run, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's, what is going on? But I love that if they say to us, come, come to us, we'll go up for the Lord has delivered them. You know, Jonathan's name is Jonathan, Jehonathan, and it's Yahweh and Nathan, it's Yohon and Nathan together. So it, it literally means the Lord has given. And it reminds me this morning, I just was reading that this morning about first Peter, or second Peter, the Lord has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, you know? And what was the other one? Second Corinthians 13. It's just like, do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? Test yourself. Make sure you're in the faith. Make sure you're of the mindset of Jonathan and not of Saul and the rest of the, the Israels who are afraid and trembling and hiding. Because Jonathan, and, and when you read that, when you read it in Hebrew, when, when he says, if they say, come on up here, we'll know it's a sign the Lord has delivered them. And that is Yahweh, that is Jonathan, when, Jonathan. Jonathan, you know, it, it, is, it is Yahweh and Nathan together. So he's literally, he's like, if, if they say, come up here, we'll know 
Yeah. Yohanathan. What are we going to do? Well, no, Yohanathan. Was like, what? You know what I mean? Like he's quoting like his name about doing this. It's like, to me, this is us, people of faith. Faith is our identity. We are the imagers of God who are called to manifest the unseen realm that is more real than this one everywhere we go. This is part of who we are and what we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Jonathan is, is an example of somebody who, contrary to the, the ways of everybody else, else in the kingdom, is seeing in this way. And it's like they're seeing something surrounding them as a problem. He's seeing as victims, really. But he's seeing himself as a victor. And he's saying, maybe it's that the Lord's actually given them to us. The Lord's given them to us. And my name is the Lord has given them. And let's, let's test it out, man. This is who we are. <laughs> and the, and the, you know, the armor bearer's like, yeah, man, let's do it. I got your back, you know. He's just about it. So they showed themselves to the Philistines. They came out in front of them. Ooh, ooh, did whatever they did, you know what I mean? Kind of, you know what I mean? Like, hey, hey. It's a funny story, isn't it? So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine garrison. Uh, to the Philistines, which, what did they do to show them? How did they get the attention? Are they just stand there? I doubt it. Come on. <laughs> and they said, hey, look, the, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden themselves. <laughs> oh, you coming out your little hole, buddy? They talk trash back to them. Oh, look at you. Couple little gophers down there. Come out your little gopher hole, buddy. And then they said this. Why don't you come on up here and we'll show you something. That's New King James. Come up to us and we will show you something. <laughs> so Jonathan looks, looks at his armor bearer. You know, <laughs> I could just see him turn it over. Come on up after me. The Lord's giving them. He's a, it's official. He's giving them to us. It's like, that's you. It's a sign, man. Let's go. They called us up. Just like I said. It's like, well, of course they called you up, man. You flashed them. You like you jumped out and really, you know, you screamed at them. Come up after me for Je for Jehonathan. Says his name. Come up after me for Jehonathan. Like he's given them to us. They delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer. That can speak of so many things. It can. It can speak of what it looks like to step out in faith, uh, of looking vulnerable, of being in humility. He's crawling on his hands and knees because it wasn't, you know, he's like, <laughs> they're crawling up. Okay, okay, I'm coming to get you then. Which is like, they have the high ground, Anakin. You know what I mean? Bad idea to fight them. But he crawls up to them, you know? It's funny. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan... And as he came after him, his, his armor bearer killed them. What's that? So he didn't even get a chance. To, his armor bearer is carrying his weapons. He didn't even get a chance to grab his own sword. He, he confronts these people. And it says it's about 20 of them in this, in this little batch right here. But he fights about 20 different people at a time. And somehow subdues them or knocks them out or knocks them down. And they're tag teaming. 
You ever heard the door, the, the, the phrase, you kick the door open and I'll run through it, you know? You kick it open, I'll run through it. You know, it's usually when you're about to do something foolish, you know, for me anyways, it has been. But, but in this situation, it, what seemed foolish, he was knocking these people out and his armor bearer's going to, ah, just cutting these dudes down. Rated R right there. Hacking them. Keep that in mind. Hopefully I can remember that part but, um, so I can do a demonstration of it. No, not, not, not really, but I, I want to go back to it. That first slaughter that Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. There's a different way to read that, but in, in a small area. And there was trembling in the camp and in the field and among all the people. Remember, they were, they were like the multitude of the sea that gathered against Israel um, all around the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that there was a very great trembling. Now Saul, an hour away, looked, and was like, call the people, what's going on? Call roll. He didn't know that Jonathan had left, it says in verse 17. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise was coming in the camp. All these things were happening. Um, so he, he said, cut it off like, hey, we need to go after them. We need, to, we need to jump into this fight. I don't know what's going on. It says, moreover, 1 Samuel verse 14, verse 21, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israels. They also joined the Israeli armies. Likewise, all the men who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard the Philistines had fled, they also followed, followed after the Lord. So it says that all these people, right, showed back up who had, who had become cowards and were hiding in their strongholds, remaining hidden. This one battle sent such a shockwave, shockwave through their whole entire region that it awoke the people of God to who they actually were. They went from being deathly afraid to being like, oh my gosh, we've got to get back to Saul and to the kingdom. We've got to get back to our guys. Like, this is a fight. This is us. We're going to win. We're going after this. When they actually came to the armies of the Philistines, when they actually went out to battle against them, they went and they saw the Philistines fighting themselves. There was such tumult in, in the land. There was such rage going on. There was such fear and confusion because Saul, Jonathan had routed these 20 himself. Him and not really himself, him and his armor bearer, in the name of the Lord by walking by faith, that the sound of it terrorized, released a shockwave, a spiritual sound that actually shocked the entire Philistine army. And not only that, an earthquake hit at the same time. The earth quaked. Some commentaries will say it's not literal, and some commentaries will say it's, that it is. Um, Either way, whether it was supernatural shaking that happened or whether it was an actual physical earthquake, it sent such terror and confusion, they started attacking and fighting themselves. I've tried to look into this wondering if this was close to nighttime or something like that because it was just like when, when the Israelis got, came to the place where they could see a lot of their armies and the, and the Philistines were fighting each other, their swords were turned against one another. It's like, hey, we got to fight these like, hey, they're let's just kind of let this thing play out, man. They're, they're killing each other. These people were such entrenched in the demonic as well. The Philistines, they had, you know, the Nephilim there. They had giants within their ranks. And giants, you know, that, you know, a Nephilim is a demon. 
and is a demon hybrid. And when they die, they're disembodied just like the flood. And that's where we get the demons from. Hopefully you guys know these things. If you've been here for a while, you know these things. So the demonic, you know, the flood happened because the demonic and the Nephilim were devouring mankind. That's what they did. And so I know this is a lot. But so when this battle happens and, and this demonically enraged army who's partnered with the demonic in order to destroy the people of God, the demonic, the confusion hit so hard that the nature of those demons to devour men just turned on the men that they were inside and they started devouring each other. And it's just like, oh, like, wow, this chaotic thing. And Israel's like, yeah, we're winning. You know what I mean? This is awesome. And then they went and jumped into an army like more than less half the size and had the greatest victory of that point of their uh, career, in a sense. It's Saul's career. Saul and Jonathan's. But why? Because of one person who chose to see things different when everybody else was trembling. And we go back into, into the, the chapter of like 1 Samuel 13, and you look where people were before Jonathan's bright idea. They didn't even have swords or weapons. In order to fight, they'd have to go to Philistine regions and have their, their farming equipment sharpened, sharpened up to use as weapons. <laughs> so even to get weapons, they had to go to their enemies in order to use it as a weapon. So they were just like really out of pocket. So many of them were hiding in strongholds and thickets. They were, they were remaining hiding, hiding in such a way that... Here's something that I wrote concerning this. The people that hid in caves and strongholds, many Christians live in the same way. Many people especially. They're so afraid of rejection or failure. And that could be in any way that they cook, up, they cook up a completely false identity thinking it keeps them safe and hides them when in reality it isolates them and causes them to be completely fruitless. You know? But the, the reality that, hey, we have a covenant of God, the reality of that 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, like, do not know, hey, hey, test yourself that you're in the faith because, listen, Christ is in you. And we think, oh, that's a rebuke. This isn't some religious church, oh, test, are you really saved, brother? Are you really saved? You know, isn't that some... some Retard backwoods, you know, foolishness, sorry. But, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm working on it. But it's like, what it is, honestly, what it is, is just like, hey, it's not a rebuke. We've taken the Bible in this way that's like so condemning, but it's actually an encouraging. Test yourself to see like the potential that is in you is the eternal one is with you, man. Test yourself that you're seeing faith. Are you walking in the fruits of the Spirit? Second Peter 1. Are you full of the nature and person of the kingdom of, of God himself and of his kingdom that they manifest? And make your calling your lecture. Make sure you're aligned with this thing because this is your true inheritance. That's what the Bible's actually saying. It's not saying, are you even saved, brother? You know, it's like, hey, listen, you, this is in you. This is in you. Test yourself. Examine yourself. Am I living in this way? Am I seeing in this way? Am I hiding? You know what I mean? Am I just comfortable? Is there any risk in, in the way you've chosen to live your life? Because if not, then it's not fun. I mean, that's not the real point, that it's not fun. But, but it's not faith. And it's no fun. And you might be comfortable, but you're bored comfortable. Com being comfortable is a trap. There's a reason the Spirit of God is our comforter. Because <laughs> we get led into things sometimes that are uncomfortable. And we find our comfort from a source that's on the inside of us. That's our dad. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing. It's the summer of faith. And so Jonathan, and I, I've always thought Jonathan, you know, the one whose name means Yahweh has given, coming into that first Peter, second Peter 1, I mean, that is so, so cool. Um, 
everything pertaining to life and godliness he has given us. Like everything we need is on board. And Jonathan has this bright idea, let's go show ourselves. Hey, it doesn't matter if there's many of us or just a few of us, what restrains God from doing something? That's a mentality that is of faith that never sees itself as a victim and is constantly willing to show up. Another thing, the armor bearer, the guy who carried the weapons, he actually got to, to use them, which is brilliant. We are the hands and feet, the mouthpieces of God in the world. We are the armor bearers of the prince, the prince of peace, the king of heaven himself, the son of God. Like we are the armor bearers, the carriers of everything. And he knocks things down in front of his armor bearer and, they, and, he, and he gets to finish it all, finish the work. He gets to, he gets, he gets to do the real thing. You know what I mean? But why? Because he was fully committed. Yeah. Test yourself. Are you really in the faith? He's like, I'm fully committed. Do all that is in your heart and every idea that is in your mind. Imagine losing our mind. Golgotha is a skull. A skull is a head with no mind where the cross was put in. Imagine the mind of Christ which we've been given. Having his mind which sees things the way he sees them instead of the way the world sees them. And sees things in this situation was an enemy army encamped around them that was a surefire, <laughs> we're done for, as, hey, let's separate ourselves from this mentality. Come with me for about an hour. Hey, what if, what if God wants to use us to do something that actually sees by faith and is willing to follow through, that is willing to follow wholeheartedly in this covenant to live this life in such a profound way that, <laughs> that everywhere we go, every place we're in, we're not used to just doing it the same way. It's like, we'll throw it on the other side of the boat. Well, the other side's still the same patch of water, man. Yeah. But there's something of living by faith. It's like, no, it's, it's when I get to this place in life or this level of education or I'm called to this city or region or country, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah, but... I wonder if we start to live by the faith of Jonathan, the bright ideas of the Lord, if he doesn't start bringing us, hey, I got an idea. Would you be willing to follow me here? Like, yeah, all right. If we realize we're the ones carrying the weapons, we're the ones carrying the power, we're the ones stepping into something. And, and it's easier. We can, we can be critical of people. Oh, they don't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you know, and we can just be as, just as religious as the religious, you know what I mean? And, and condemning. And we can, you know, we can say, hey, we don't pass out tracts and tell people they're going to hell, you know, but at the same time, it's like, what, what are we doing that attracts people to the Lord? Yeah. You know what I mean? And from this, Jonathan could have got on the on, the, on his you know, megaphone or whatever and said, you bunch of cowards hiding in the thickets and caves. You're, you're living lies. You know, you're, you're stashed in rocks. It says a bunch of them actually crossed back over the Jordan. You know what that is? They, the promised land, the baptism of the Spirit, they stepped in, had some victory. They said, this is too much. <laughs> they crossed back on the other side. They fully left the game. They fully left the arena of the of the life. And there's a lot of people like that that have been fully and totally burnt. But the reality was the earthquake that scattered the enemy but actually brought back the shaking, the trembling happened because somebody walked in faith and said, no, we have a covenant with God and I'm going to live this life. He wasn't just frustrated with the people that weren't. I'm going to exemplify this. 
And that reality was so contagious that it woke people up. Imagine doing your life and even your even even what what the world would say secular life, you know, the ideas that you have that some people might say look foolish or whatever. Imagine receiving the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who's in you to do things and then doing them with excellence and the, and other people saying like wow that we can do that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, man. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be what we would think is spiritual. It's actually, it, it, it's, it's something that we walk by faith and we see by faith and it infects or reverse infects, whatever, however you want to say that. It touches people to wake them up like this is how we live. We're the images of God. Yeah. Especially in our regular day life, especially when it has to do with the actual covenant that Jesus has made. Like, I've fully forgiven you. I have fully covered you. I have fully empowered you. You're actually my beloved. You're not a sinner. You're my beloved. You took the identity of a sinner. And while you were that way, I was crucified you. When you were that way, I was, I was crucified for you. You're my beloved. Now wake up to who you really are and wake others up. And then we can feel as the armor bearers of God, the ones carrying the gifts of the Spirit, the armor of the Lord, the power of heaven itself, the carriers of heaven, we can feel Him leading us into places and leading us even to people. It's like, take a swing on that guy. Now, don't take a swing on nobody now. You know what I'm saying when I say that. You know what I mean? Take a shot. Release heaven on that guy or that girl or this person or this situation or have inspiration and follow that. Yeah. It's a summer of faith. Hopefully I did Jonathan. Jonathan justice there but this is what we're called to walk in remember our scriptures 2 Corinthians 35 examine yourself when we do the questions this week for us for everyone that does these and listens to these when we look at 2 Corinthians 13.5 examine yourself as to whether you're in the faith test yourself do you know that Jesus Christ is in you Examine yourself. Am I walking in faith in my life? Am I positioning myself in faith? Do I acknowledge the fact that Jesus is in me? The question I was, the main, gonna, main one was going to ask, me and Alan stumbled across about a week ago when we were running, is when is the last time you took a risk? It's your last warning. She's a boss lady, so she can, I guess, get away with it. But that question, what was that? Like Disney radio or something? Amazing. Okay. But that's what happens. People try to write notes in their phone, and that's why you need a notepad and some, a pencil. Stand. You know, this technology, man. The question is, in examining yourself, when's the last time you took a risk? Faith spelled R-I-S-K. When's the last time that I took a risk? You know what I mean? Or am I just comfortable? The risk could be like, well, you know, I'm not talking about making a big move or, you know, you know something crazy. It's like am taking the risk to actually look like a fool by sharing with somebody you feel led to, to bless or to talk to. Or, I mean, it could be anything. 
But the life of faith is exhilarating. You know. The last thing I'll say that I felt for us, um, and please hear me in Second Corinthians thirteen and, and Second Peter one, verse one through ten, of these things like test yourself if you're in the faith, make your calling your election sure. This isn't like, are you even a Christian, man? But it is like, hey, do you know that Jesus is actually in you? Like, it's an encouragement that the Bible is giving us when it's read through the right lens that, hey, are, are we walking in our potential, which is heaven everywhere? Because you've got it. Everything pertaining to God, life and godliness. But the last thing I was going to say was allow yourself to be inspired by the Lord. Allow yourself to be inspired by the Lord. Something I really believe in is following your hunger. Follow your hunger in your relationship to Him. Inspiration and hunger, they, it's like they go hand in hand. And um, that principle of following your hunger is like, you know, the Lord's our shepherd. And he leads us to where we need to be fed. But so many times, the inspirations of our heart in our, on our connection to Him, not if it's like you're inspired to be, you know, have a bunch of followers on Instagram or to be, you know, some delusional, you know, I'm talking about in the Lord, right? You know what I mean? Which followers is fine, whatever. I'm just saying, um, <laughs> uh, you know, but our inspiration in the Lord, like what inspires you about him? Who inspires you? What in the Bible, what in your walk with the Lord, you know, inspires you and follow this because it's, it's the Lord leading you, you know, and you'll find life in it of what he's leading you telling a buddy of mine he's out of the country right now <laughs> when I was mowing the grass out there a couple weeks ago listening to music <clears throat> you know secular music actually but you know it was just it was mostly instrumental but I was uh, I was mowing and I became so inspired by the Lord I started to get such an inspiration of the Lord and um, of worship and even what what touches my heart for people to experience the actual presence of the Lord which is why we do things kind of the way we do them here. And um, people in worship getting to experience God and feel his presence and see him. And then it goes from one thing to another. I'm so inspired by those who've gone before us. And I started to feel the presence of the Lord so strongly mowing back and forth up here that I'm walking around crying, dude. Not, not a big time crier, but I'm mowing these lines. That's a pretty big strip of land out in our, you know, our front area. And I'm just walking around balling, just thinking like, man, all these people driving by are like, what's wrong with that dude, you know? Like, but, you know, I got sunglasses on and a hat on, so they can't really tell. You know, I don't know if I'm making the, the, <laughs> the puckered mouth or not. I'm trying to fight it. Like, you know what I mean? But it was like sweeping over me like waves. And I could feel all my big brothers, the ones I'm really inspired by. I could feel the Baptist, the dreadlock Baptist, you know what I mean? I could feel um, John. The revelator, you know what I mean? They call that guy, you know what I mean? I started to feel these guys. I started to feel people that, that have gone before us, the cloud of witnesses. I started feeling all these people around me and just having their lives and, and, how, and, and the encouragement of what we do in life and, and, and the encouragement of living for the kingdom and building something for the kingdom and, and, and the way that they rejoice, you know? Things that Jesus even said about the angels rejoicing over one who comes to him, you know, and it's like all these things and that, that, that reality, my inspiration of some certain things about a lot of these certain people, 
was breaking me down so hard the whole time I was mowing up there. I was walking around just like a hot mess with my glasses. But I mean, I try to keep it incognito, but I was wondering like, man, somebody drives by and sees this. But sometimes heaven and the inspiration of God, it feels so good that even if you look like a complete idiot, it doesn't matter. And that's coming from somebody that was probably one of the most prideful people in this whole building at one point in his life. You know what I mean? Insecure, pride, insecure, you know, same thing, right? You know what I mean? Would have never wanted to be see that way. But there's something about the touch and the inspiration of heaven and seeing the way God sees that causes you to come alive. And it's actually the things that, are, that the Lord's wanting to speak to you and feed you off of. And it fed me and it helps me and it encouraged me um, in that situation. So, But anyways, I will encourage you. Follow your hunger. Walk by faith. Because it's all of your callings and purpose. That's why you hear these stories and you're like, yeah, you know, and you, and you have ideas of maybe what's the Lord going to use me to do? It's just like, oh, that's it. That's the start of it. When you start to feel that like, man, what? Golly, I walked by this. I did that. I could be there. It's like when you start thinking this way, it's, it has begun. You know, that's, that's the faith walk. That's the spirit within. He's in us. So, well, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you um, for the story of Jonathan. And, um, but the reality that you're on the inside of us and that you have such great and wonderful things for us. You've withheld nothing. And Lord, I ask that, that we would even be used, that your kingdom would come, we ask. Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we would receive the daily bread for our hunger, that, that communication from you, but also that we would be used in such a profound way that it would unlock our brothers and sisters, even those who are living in strongholds, even those who have maybe crossed back on the other side of the Jordan, maybe those who are distressed and they're hiding in thickets, thoughts and cares of this world, those thorns that they're wrapped up in, the caves. Let this, let this church be a true house of faith and let the faith of heaven and the faith of Jesus touch our entire region through us. Amen.